All right, let's pray. Father, we do uh, thank you once again for the opportunity, Lord, to gather together. And God, I thank you. I thank you that you care about our lives. I thank you care about details of our lives. I thank you, Lord, that God, yes, you, you went to the cross, you redeemed us. And Lord, but you just didn't leave us floundering trying to figure things out, but you gave us your word. You gave us instructions. You showed us how to have the best possible life. And I thank you for that. I thank you, Lord, even thinking about marriage, you show us, you give us detail on how to have the best marriage. And I pray that we would be people here in this fellowship, that we would be uh, couples who demonstrate to the world, not just marriage, but how great marriage can be. God, that we would make our marriages count in this generation. I think especially the way the world's going and drifting away from, quote, traditional values, Lord, let us be men and women who uphold those values and, and show the world this is what it's all about. So God, bless this time once again and be glorified in it. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, as we think about marriage tonight, again, we're gonna, tonight we're gonna kind of wrap up the most of this. And then, like I said, next week we'll do a Q&A. But tonight we're gonna talk about conflict. And if you're married, you've had conflict. It's funny, every, every week on, on Thursdays, I go home for a while, and I always stop by the front office and tell the girls I'm going home, and if I don't come back, one of them can teach. And, uh, and, and one of them, I won't say which one, said, oh yeah, I can do conflict. That's like peanut butter and jelly. Marriage and conflict is like peanut butter and jelly. And I thought, I don't want you teaching. So, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna take it back. So I did make sure I came back. But, there, that, there's some truth to that. You know, there is a thing, why? Because if you remember when we started this, I said, marriage is two sinners joining hands, trying to do life together. And you know what? Sometimes it gets difficult. Sometimes it gets hard. There's disagreements. There's things that come up. So, you know, I don't want to avoid that. So we're going to talk about that tonight and hopefully get some biblical principles in how do we deal with that? What is the proper way and, and how do we walk through those things? But once again, you know, you can, you can look these two places up. I like to keep us thinking about this is not the only place marriage is talked about. It's talked about in Colossians. It's talked about in Peter and all of those. Listen, in Colossians, it's talking about how we walk and, and maintaining that walk and then he goes into marriage and Peter, Peter's talking about, about uh, you know, us being uh, with the Lord and glory and he brings up marriage and then in Ephesians he tells us that we need to be filled with the spirit and then he brings up marriage. So here's what that's telling me. If we have a genuine walk with the Lord and if we're really looking forward to glory and if we're really filled with the spirit, this thing called marriage can work and can work well. Now, I know, listen, I know that the world has its system. And if we look at that, again, 1.8, or I think it's now down to 1.6, marriages end up in divorce. That's nuts. Pretty soon it's going to be one-to-one, -one, right? And, that, and that's crazy. And again, I don't want to pick on people who have been divorced. I know it's, it's horrible. But here's the thing. The world doesn't have the answers. Why do we keep going to the world and looking for the world 
to give us the answers in marriage when God has explained it. And so far we've looked. God instituted this thing we call marriage. He's the one who put it together. He's the one who designed it. He gave us all of the, you know, the inner workings and, and the instruction. And that this thing called marriage, God's way, not the state's way, not the nation's way, not the world's way, but God's way can work and can be valuable and can be productive. And then we looked at the husband's role and how that looks and, and, and how the husbands are called to love their wives. And hopefully those who have been attending decided, you know what, I'm gonna believe the Bible and I'm gonna start doing that. I'm gonna do that in my marriage. If you weren't doing it before, you made that commitment. And then last week we looked at the wives' role and in the wives' role we looked at submission. And you know, it's funny, a lot of people try and dance around that. We try and make it, you know, palatable for today, make it acceptable. And here's what I believe. I believe the Bible teaches on submission. That's not a bad thing. We've allowed the world to tell us it's bad, but it's not bad. It's a good thing. So listen, again, we need to practice those things. If you want to have a good marriage, You've got to practice those things. And so tonight, again, we're going to look at conflict. Now, you know, looking at that, there's some, you know, I think, I think usually people who come in for counseling in their marriage, they usually have one of these three issues going on, or maybe all three. But I believe, listen, I don't believe these are causes of conflict. I believe they're symptoms. But many people say, you know, one of the causes of conflict I think number one usually in marriages is money or financial things. And again, I think that's a symptom of what's going on and we'll get to my causes in a moment. So you, you have financial things, you have that. The other uh, number two usually is sexual intimacy and what's going on there and that's a cause for conflict. And then the last thing usually on the list which is probably should be number one is trust issues and communication. So those are issues, listen, but again, they're symptoms of something else. What do I believe the main conflict in marriage is? Number one, men. <laughs> I know, I know, the women love that, right? Preach it, bro. Yeah, huh? Women are going, yes, thank you. I love this church. <laughs> the number two issue? Women. women. Thank you. The number two issue, hey, here's the issue. Men are men, women are women. And those are issues that we have to deal with. God made us distinctly different. He brought us together. And that's an important thing to understand. And then number three, and I think this is the real cause, laziness. Slothful, not working at your marriage, not putting energy into your marriage. I found in my life, Whatever I put energy into, that's the thing that usually progresses and changes. Whether, you know, and look at just life in normal. Somebody wants to be a great musician, what do they do? Hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of practice and study and doing, whether we're talking about that or athletics or whatever, and it's a lot, a lot of work. But when you talk to those people, they go, this isn't work. Because they love what they're doing. And I think it's the same way with marriage. I believe, listen, I believe marriage takes a lot of work. But I don't look at my marriage and go, oh my God, oh, oh, I'm so tired. 
No, you do that, why? Because you love what you, you love putting that energy into it. Because I want to have, listen, I want to have good marriage. I want to have a good life. So, having said that and kind of introduce that, let's read 22 through 33 in Ephesians. Then we're going to look at some things, but I, I want us to keep in, in context here. So, verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just also, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now listen, that's, we've read that for, for four weeks in a row and we've looked at that and hopefully, listen, hopefully you're not just reading that and then going on, but you're allowing that to sink into your heart. Now I know, listen, I know a lot of people and, and people who come in for counseling oftentimes will just tell me what to do. Just give me a list. I want to do it. That's called legalism. You gotta walk by faith. Listen, you gotta exercise, but even greater than that, you gotta allow the spirit to begin to produce fruit in your life. And I believe, listen, again, I know I simplify things, but I believe if you're maintaining a strong, good relationship with the Lord, you'll be a good husband, you'll be a good wife. And you know, later on we'll look at, you'll be a good parent, you'll be a good worker, you'll be a good employer, all of those things, if you maintain that relationship with him. It comes from that. So I don't want you to get robotic. I don't want you to think, okay, man, you know, we've been doing this series. I know what Pastor Pat said about women. I'm gonna do that, man. I'm gonna knuckle down. I'm gonna be the, you know, and then, and then here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna get frustrated. Develop your relationship with him. Read his word and allow his word to sink in your heart. Now, yeah, he does give us instruction on how am I supposed to do things, and I do need to look at that and say, okay, I might need to adjust this in my life so that I can do this better, and then I can begin to practice it. And once again, you know, when we're talking about other things, you practice things that you want to get good at. So it's good to put those into practice and do those. So he's telling us, bottom line, here's, what, here's what, how good marriage happens. Wives being wives and husbands being husbands. And we've talked about that. A husband doesn't need a mother and a wife doesn't need a little boy to raise, right? As we look at those things and, and go. So as we keep that in mind, then now we come down to conflict and this whole idea of, why do we keep why do we keep clashing? Well, let's look at let's look at James. You can flip. We'll we'll spend the rest of the evening in James chapter 4. 
And James chapter four, we just covered this a couple months ago as we studied Galatians and James. And in James chapter four, when we covered that, we mostly applied that to the church and our relationships in the church. Now we're gonna apply it to marriage. We're gonna apply it just a little bit different. Same truth, but let's look at what James says through the eyes of a husband or through the eyes of a wife and through the eyes of our own conflict that we have. Now, I believe, listen, I believe if you've not had some kind of conflict in your marriage that, well, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I just think you do. You're different people, you've come together, and I'm not talking about knock down, drag out fights. I'm talking about conflict. You come and you come at things differently. Uh, you know, I've quoted several times, Robert Furrow's famous saying is, if we agree on everything, one of us isn't thinking. And he loves to say that about the church and about other people. And then he always finishes it with, well, I know I am. And uh, so I, when he says it to me, I always beat him. I go, well, Robert, I know I'm thinking. Not sure about you, but right? But it's the same in marriage. Listen, you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're not gonna agree on every single thing. So how do we best, when we look at conflict and stuff that come up, two sinners joining hands, to do life together in this mixed up world and this crazy world we live in. How does that look and how do we do that? So James 4.1 says this, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, here's what, here's what I think. Number one, he kind of just like hits it on the head, right? And so, there's, that two, there's those two words, wars and con, wars and fights. Now, and I, or the New King James says wars and fights. New American Standard says quarrels and conflicts. And NIV says fights and quarrels. Bottom line, here's what he's saying. Where does conflict come from? How does it start? Now, listen, I don't want to talk about, you know, the church at large or the world or whatever. Marriages, where does that come from? Where does that conflict begin? Here's where it begins, when you become selfish, when you become self-centered, focusing on self, and looking at self. Now, if you got married for somebody to meet all of your needs, you're gonna be sorely disappointed because that person is not gonna meet all of your needs. And, you know, you need to understand that. If you got married to join hands and glorify the Lord with your life, oh, you got a great road ahead of you because that's the direction you're gonna go. And so when he talks about, listen, and we live in a, a, you know, a hedonistic society, when he talks about pleasure, that's where we get our word for hedonism, which hedonism is bottom line, is just uh, wanting to everything, do everything for pleasure, and you know, the primary goal is my pleasure. And then we get narcissistic and we're all about ourselves, right? And we start thinking that way. Now, I know a lot of you are going, that's not me. Can I talk to your spouse? Because we do that. Oh, we may not do it intentionally, but we do that. And so we have to decide. Here's what we have to decide. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I want to try and bless this person I'm with. I want to... I want to give up certain things so that I can bless them, so I can encourage them, so I can strengthen them, so that we can do life together and make sense of this thing. I don't want to just be this lone ranger. I remember hearing someone's testimony that when they got married, they didn't realize that 
they were supposed to be friends and, and stuff with their wife. They thought they had their friends, and then they came home and the wife was a wife. And I remember this person, someone had said, hey, she's supposed to be your best friend. He goes, really? Someone should have told me that in marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling. And it is the truth. Hey, we tell you that here, but a lot of guys, and you know, I think that's mostly men don't realize it. And women are yearning for that. Women want to be nurtured. They want to be taken care of. That's the way God made them and built them. And it's a good thing to come as a husband and do those things. It's called loving your wife. Wives, men yearn respect. We've talked about that. And if you, listen, I've had women tell me, seriously, you want me to submit to that? And I, yeah, it's a good idea. What if, and we talked about this last time, what if he ruins our life? It'll be okay. No, I mean really ruins it. It'll be okay. God is bigger than your husband. God is bigger than the mess he can make. Not my husband, man. You should see the messes he make. God is bigger. And so we need to be those people. Listen, again, where does the conflict come from? It comes from your desire for yourself and thinking about yourself. And now, listen, now all of a sudden you got this conflict going on. You got this major rub going on in your marriage. And trust me, until one of you comes to that place where you're going to walk in the spirit, you're going to fight, you're going to battle, you're going to come against each other, and you're going to be miserable in this thing called marriage. And then here's what you're going to say. You're going to say, maybe I can find it in somebody else. Oh, Oh, and that's where it gets really bad. Don't share your innermost intimacy and thoughts with the opposite sex, unless it's your spouse. Nothing breaks my heart more than to hear someone say, oh, I was talking to him, and he understood how bad my life was. My husband doesn't understand me. Or, wow, she brought me coffee and put it right on my desk. My wife never does that. That is going to ruin your life. That is the enemy. Look what he says in, in verse two. He says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet because you cannot obtain. You fight and war, uh, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Verse three, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now here's something interesting. Two and three are obviously two verses, right? Did you count the number of you's in there? Hey, here's what he's saying. You focus on you. And you do these things because it's about me and it's all about me. And, you know, I've said it before. Hey, I'm always on my mind and I don't think I'm the only person. Listen, man, we get so self-centered and so narcissistic that we're running over the top of that other person that we vowed that we were gonna be with. We took vows and said, yes, I wanna live with them. I wanna live for them. I wanna do these things. And it was wonderful. When we do premarital counseling, I like to do it, but sometimes I don't like to do it. And I like to do it in one way because the couple, I love it, especially when it's a young couple and they come in and they're so in love. 
And like, this is the one, this is the one who God brought to me. I know that God has brought, you know, her or him, and they're just doing these things, and then five years later, it's like, not so much. Did God change his mind? That's my famous question. No. Well, then what's wrong? I think I just didn't hear right. Oh, really? And we do those things, and then, and then here's the thing that I found. Generally, not always, generally, the thing that attracted you most to that person is the thing you begin to focus on and despise. Wow. I tell couples that, I go, you know, when you were here five years ago, you told me this about them, and here's what you said you really loved about them. Now here today we are five years down the road, six years down the road, and here's what you're saying. I can't stand that. Oh, interesting. It was the very thing that attracted you to them. Now you're not liking it. How come? Because you become self-centered. And because you're looking at self. And listen, he says you go after these things and you do it the world's way. You start going the world's way and you get into some major problems. The world, listen carefully, the world does not have answers for marriage. Look at the statistics. I don't have to, listen, I don't have to do anything more than that. God has the answers, and God's answers is, listen, man, hey, I, and you know, most of you go, I haven't committed murder yet, right? Because he says you murder and covet. I haven't done that yet. Well, just that it's on your mind's a bad thing, but what he's saying, listen, he's saying, man, you get to the place where, and, and coveting things, listen, you can covet, and here's, here's what I hear people say. If I just, if he would just do this, what if he did that? You'd find something else. When you're having conflict in marriage, listen carefully. The problem is you. Now, I understand, listen, I understand there's things that, that happen, but I'm talking about general things. You need to change, and here's what you need to ask yourself. Have I done everything within my power to make this marriage work? Have I done all that I can do to fix me? I believe most of us know this. I'm looking at adults. You can't change another person. You can't fix them. You can't change them. So you have to be responsible. If you can, in that situation, say, I have done everything. What does Romans say? As long as you do everything to live at peace that's within your power, you're okay. So you need to know. And here's what I know. Every time my wife and I have conflict, one of us has to get in the spirit. One of us has to do the right thing. Generally, it's her. One of us has to do that, and you gotta move in that direction. And if you're refusing to do that, it's just gonna fester and get worse and worse and worse. If you walk in the spirit, you're gonna look at the word and here's what you can say. Here's what I can do to, to make this right. And I'm gonna, everything within my power, I'm gonna work to make this conflict right. And you can walk away, listen, if you can walk away, that's good. But if you look at something and you go, I need to change this, then change it. 
Begin to change your attitude, begin to change your actions, begin to change your heart and do that. And then listen, then he also says at the, at the, there in verse three, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. You, usually when we're begging the Lord to do something or, or you know, we're begging him to do something because we want, we want, we want it for us, right? And we're praying, God, I want this, and I want this, and God's saying, why do you keep asking for yourself? Well, because I'm always on my mind, that's why. And because I want to be happy. And here's what's kind of sad. This, this whole thing has kind of touched the church in America, where we are so centered on, listen, we're so centered on our pleasure that we only give on God honor when he's done something for us or something towards us or something good. Shouldn't God get honor in the bad? Sure. Shouldn't God get honor no matter what? Yeah. But we've kind of changed that. And so here's what happens in marriage. And, and, you know, couples, hey, when we're all happy and lovey, it's all good. But, man, you do something, and I'm going to get you, and I'm not going to, you know, and, and the wife will go, I tried, I tried submitting to him. But, you know, have, do, you, do you know who he is? Yeah, that's why I didn't marry him. You married him. You chose him. You made these things. And listen, I understand some people change, but I'm talking generally. And so you've got to work at that. And you don't just, listen, you don't just ask a miss for yourself. You ask for your marriage. My prayer for our marriage is that, number one, it would be good, it would be healthy, it would be strong. But also, I ask the Lord to use us as a light in this world. So we can let the world know this is what marriage looks like. This is what it's supposed to be. Now, here's the thing. A lot of us come out of different things, right? We have, we have influences in our lives, and, you know, we grew up in a home. And I grew up in a home, and as a young child, I didn't have a good example of marriage. And as I got older, I still didn't have a good example. got a little bit better, but as a young one, it was horrible. As an older child, I was still, my, my parents stayed together, but they didn't like each other. They weren't happy. They were miserable, and I remember looking at my parents, and here's what I made a promise to myself. Even before I got saved, I'm never going to live like that. I know some people do the cycle and keep in the same cycle. I looked at my parents, and I looked at their relationship, and it was not good. And I can kind of talk about it now because they're both gone. It was not a good relationship. And in my heart of hearts, even as a, a young guy, 17 years old, I remember saying, I will never live like that, no matter what. And I work at it. I work at my marriage. Again, it's not like, it's like, I want to have a good. I think everybody in life, right, wants to have a peaceful, joyful, happy life. I read my Bible, and here's what my Bible says. Trust me and you can have that life. Walk with me no matter how, listen, no matter how ugly it gets around you or even in your own life, you're still gonna have that peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of that, and we need to know that. John chapter four, uh, you, can, you can write this down and look it up later. Most of us know this, right? It's when Jesus goes to the woman at the well, and I love it, right? His disciples are like freaking out. What are you doing talking to a woman or, you know, a Samaritan and a woman? But Jesus, remember that interchange? I love it. She shows up. He's there. And, and uh, 
you know, as, as she came, uh, he asked her for water, and then, and then they have that conversation in verse 10. He says, hey, if you knew the gift of God and, who, and he who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him to give you a drink, right? Because Jesus said, hey, give me a drink. She goes, ah, and they have this conversation. And then remember what she says? Dude, you don't even have a bucket. This is Pat's paraphrase. You don't even have a bucket. How are you gonna give me any water? What are you talking about? And then at the end of it, here's the thing. What did Jesus say? If you drink from this water, you will never thirst again. He wasn't talking about quenching a physical thirst. He's talking about a spiritual life and life. If you drink from the water that Jesus gives us, you're not gonna go after these other things. You're not gonna lust after these other things. That goes with marriage. If you begin to understand, when I look at my wife, here's what I know. This is the woman God gave me. And if God gave this woman to me, I'm gonna take good care of her. Because he trusted me with this woman. Little crazy God is, but he trusted me. Right? And I'm gonna take care of her to the best of my ability, and I'm gonna do that. And I'm not gonna look at my wife and see what I can get out of her I'm gonna see what I can do for her. And I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. Why? God gave her to me. And I think wives should look at their husbands. God gave me this man. I'm gonna do whatever it takes. So listen, that's changing from that. Oh, and then verse five, we're not gonna spend a lot of time. I'm sorry, verse four. He says, listen, adulterers and adulteresses. Now he's not just talking about marriage there, right? He's talking about something else, but it can't apply. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God and whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? Keep going to the world for your marriage situations and here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna fall apart. God has the answers. God designed us, God made marriage, God designed each one of us, God knows what's best, we go to his word. And then he says in verse five, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Don't you love that idea? Man, God just, listen, God yearns for us to have the life he gave us, but listen, verse six, he gives more grace, therefore, or but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's the key, my friends. Humble yourself before your spouse. Be that person. You're gonna put yourself in that place of humility. That's hard. You get all prideful, and I found most situations in most of the counseling I do, there's pride. Usually on one side or the other, often on both sides. I've had people come in my office, you know, sometimes you think, I would love to write a book. I've had people come in my office, I've had people come in and here's what, I've had one couple come in and they go, Pat, we just want you to teach us how to fight fair. <laughs> what on earth does that mean? Like I look at him and go, what, what do you mean? Do I look like a referee or something? I mean, what do you mean we wanna learn how to fight fair? I'm from Bisbee, we only fight dirty, right? No, that's not. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why would you ask something like that? Why don't you wanna fix it? We just wanna fight fair. I've had people in my office get to a knockdown, drag out, not physical, fight. And like I'm behind my desk, I'm embarrassed. 
I've had to stop people before and say, stop right now, go home, finish this, and when you're done, let's come back when we can be civil. I've seen the gamut of everything. And I've seen people come in. I remember one time there was a couple came in and, and I was talking about holding grudges and not holding grudges and you know taking care of things, taking care of business, not being narcissistic. A lady pulled out a warrant for her husband's arrest 10 years ago. I go, why do you have that? Just to remind him. Every time he does something, shoot, out it comes. And I go, give me that. I'm going to put it in a shredder. Give me that thing. <laughs> nope. Then you're going to have a bad marriage. Sorry, but you are. And that's, listen, that's what he's saying. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Are you going to come in, and are you going to be humble before the Lord and not necessarily come into office, but come into his presence? Be humble before him and say, God, here's what has to happen in me for my marriage to be healthy. Here's what I need to do. And Lord, I want you to do it. And I'm coming to you broken. I can't fix this. I don't have the strength to do it. Only you by your spirit can change me. And when you do that, here's what I know. He gives more grace and more grace. You get all legalistic in your marriage. It's like any legalism. You get all legalistic, you get messed up. You walked by grace. Ah, oh, it's so beautiful. So there's no answer to do the robotic thing to make your marriage work. The answer is trust God, walk in his grace, and love him. Now, look at verse seven, because all of this is good. Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That, listen, I love that verse just in life. I love that verse for the church, but I love it even more for marriage. Listen, here's what he says. He says, for you and I, here's what we need to do. First, submit to God. What does God tell you to do in marriage? Well, here's what God said. And I'm doing it, but look what I'm married to. Oh, now we're back to you gotta be, gotta have some grace. And here's the thing. You start doing, and I think some couples, listen, I think some couples who've been going through this for a few weeks, I think if some of the couples are going, oh, I'm trying this out, man. I think this is gonna work. And here's what the devil says. Oh, you don't wanna do that, man. You do that, it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be nasty. You start loving her unconditionally? Oh, no. She will spend every dime you have. <laughs> do you know what she's gonna do? And the devil starts whispering. And you have to, here's, here's what I love. You have to submit to God in one place you're submitting and the other place you got both hands and both feet up, you're resisting the devil, right? Stay out of here, get out of here. And he comes and whispers, you go, go away. And you're running to God. And you need to do that, listen, because the devil is gonna whisper to you and he's gonna tell you things that never works. And here's the crazy, here's the crazy thing. I mean, just think about this, just look logically. Who has the strongest marriages in the world? And I'm talking about, I'm not talking about just staying together for 50 years. Hey, people can stay together for 60 years and not have a good marriage. I'm talking about having a good marriage. Who are the people that have it? The people who trust the Lord. He put it together, he made it. They have a good, strong, healthy, great relationship. Who are the people who get divorces after five years, after two years, after one year? The people who are listening to the devil. And then here's the crazy thing. Then we as believers sometimes go, Oh, really? Really? You mean if I submit to him, he's going to become tyrannical and come, he's going to be Abraham? He's going to take me and tell me to tell everybody he's my brother? 
And so we start listening to the devil. Stop listening to the devil and start listening to God. Now some of you go, I don't know when God really speaks. Here's where I'm gonna tell you, all you gotta do is pick this thing up, you call a Bible, some of you have them in your lap, some of them have on your phone, pick this thing up, start reading it. God tells you explicitly, listen, so submit to him, resist the devil, and then verse eight, draw near to God. Here's what I love, and he will draw near to you. Here's a promise, man. You come close to God, God doesn't go, oh, you draw near to him, he's gonna draw. God, God has proven to us how much he loves us and desires a relationship by going to the cross and dying for us. Hey, you draw near to him, he's gonna draw near to you. You start drawing near to God, you start walking with God, he's gonna start, listen, laying life out in front of you and you will go through, listen carefully, you'll go through some difficult things but you'll walk through them with God and it will be entirely different. I'm never gonna tell people, you come to Jesus and everything's gonna be a bed of roses, it's gonna be just a wonderful life. No, you're gonna go through stuff but you're gonna go through it with him because he'll draw near to you. And then I love this part, listen. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Hey, sinners, wash your hands. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, is he telling us, you know, make sure you wash for 20 seconds and do those things. Make sure you do the, the COVID thing and da-da-da. He's not talking about physically washing our hands. What is he talking about? When he's talking about washing your hands, what are hands? Hands are the things we act with. Clean up your act. Clean up your actions. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And then you clean up your actions. You, you start doing things God's way, not your way. You start believing him and walking in him and you're washing your hands. And then, and then listen, and here's the important one, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Why are you double-minded? Because here you're listening, you know, we're all in, quote, in church, right? We're all here, man, we got our Bibles open. Some of you are even nodding yes. And you're gonna go out those doors and the devil's gonna say, seriously? Like, you're gonna really believe what he just said? Come on, come on. This is 2021. That guy's talking archaic stuff. That guy's talking crazy. And, you, and that's being double-minded. And you have to choose who you're gonna follow. And that's when he says, purify your hearts. Listen, we gotta watch our actions and clean them up, and then we gotta check our motive. And what is motivating us? What is pushing us? What is driving us? And I don't care who you are, and I don't care how spiritual you think you are. You're gonna have a battle in your mind every single day. Some days are stronger, some days are not. But you have to battle because listen, we live in this world. And later on in Ephesians, we're gonna read, man, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that are coming against us. We have to fight that battle. So here's what he's saying, man. You need to decide you're gonna draw near to God and you're gonna change your actions and you're going to change your motive, change your stinking, uh, your stinking thinking, right? And you're gonna get it together. So listen, and, and then he says this in verse nine. Lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Here's what he's saying. Get serious. Be serious. Now listen, he's not, I don't, I don't expect people to go, oh, and you're wailing in front of your spouse. Oh, I'm so repentant. No, he's not talking about that. 
He's talking about in your heart. Be that person that you're looking at your, again, at yourself. And here's what I did. And here's what I've done. And here's what I've done to contribute to this conflict. I think one of the greatest things you can do, and I practice this all the time, when Gaynell and I have a conflict, here's what I start. I start going to 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, and Pat is not. (laughs) And I look at that and I start going over that scripture and I start thinking, am I doing those things? And if I'm doing those things, then I'll say, I'm a loving man. And I'll think, I'm okay. I very rarely make it all the way through. I can only get like to the first one, love is patient and I'm done. But do you hear my heart? And I look at that and then here's what I do. I mourn and I weep. Because here's what Pat did to contribute to the conflict. Even, hey, even if I think I'm right, even if I think I'm on the right side of the issue, I contributed to the conflict. And we need to be those kind of people that we do that. And then, listen, then it gets good. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now listen, I know some people go, yep, I do that just so she will know how awesome I am. I humble myself and he, no, we're not talking about that. Have you ever asked the Lord sincerely, sincerely to examine you? If you do, you better sit down. Because when he examines you, it's not gonna be pretty. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. It's not gonna be pretty. And you're gonna have to deal with what he shows you. And sometimes it's devastating. And that's what he's talking about here. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Come to the Lord and say, Lord, what's my part in this conflict? What's my part in, you know, quote, the demise of our relationship right now? Because I wanna change me. I don't care, you know, and, and hear my heart, right? I don't care about her because it's, it's in her. She's got to do what she's got to do. This is what, the way I feel. But I want to change Pat, and I want to fix Pat, and I want Pat to come to this situation where Pat can say, yes, I looked at my heart. And you know what? I own, I own this. And now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to humble myself in the sight of the Lord. And I'm going to be real before him. And I'm going to say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. And here's what he's going to say. I got you. Don't worry. I died for your sins. I died for you. And then I can go to my wife and I can be a good husband. And my wife can come to me after doing the same thing and she can be a good wife. You see, the key to a good, strong marriage is this simple. Be a good, strong Christian. Keep your relationship with the Lord vital and strong. And you know what? I believe God will honor that every time. He's done it in my life, in my marriage, and I believe he will do it in others. Yeah, Gaynell and I have made 50. Hopefully we'll make some more. After next week, we'll find out.
Gaynell hates attention, so she's gonna like, seriously? I know what she's gonna say. Can I sit behind you? And I'll say, if you need to, I'll cover for you. Because I know how she feels about stuff. But you know what? Saints, if we get through, if we can get the idea out of our head that we have it together and the person we're married to doesn't, if we can wipe that out and get a clean slate and come to the situation where I'm gonna take care of me. And again, I'm not saying don't care about the other person, but I'm gonna take care of me and I'm gonna let God take care of them. Because here's what I found out. God is much better at fixing flaws and discussions and conflicts and stuff in my wife than I am. If I try and fix them, it just escalates things. If I turn her over to God, so to speak, and I'm sure she would say the same thing about me, that God is better at it. And last time I checked, the Holy Spirit is not like giving up his position. He's not asking you and I to take over for him and do that. We have to be, you know what, God? They're yours, and I want to commit them to you, and you fix it, and you take care of it. So, marriage, you want to have a strong marriage? Got to do it God's way. And God instituted this thing called marriage way back in the Garden of Eden. And he hasn't changed his mind. Listen, if he didn't change his mind from the Garden of Eden till the time Paul wrote, then guess what? He hasn't changed his mind since the time Paul wrote to our time. We just think he has. He hasn't. God instituted this. He told us how to do it. He brought Eve to Adam, one man, one woman, this is what marriage is. And as you come together, then you need to do your part. And, you know, the spouse needs to do their part. And you will have a good, healthy, strong marriage. But it's going to take work. You willing to do it? You willing to put that energy in? There's things that I put energy into that I love. I love teaching, so I put a lot of time into studying. But I love my marriage more and I'll put energy and time into it any day. So that's where we have to be. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I thank you. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your challenge that you give us. And Lord, we can say what we want, and we can, we can have our own ideas and our own thoughts, And in so many ways, man, that becomes so arrogant that we think we know more than God. And so I pray right now, Lord, I pray for every marriage in this room, God, that you would strengthen them. Lord, we want to go from simply being married to making our marriage count. And I believe, I believe, again, the only way it's to do things your way, to trust you, to believe you. And God, not to, not to begin to relegate things and begin to push things away and, and say, oh, that's in the past. That happened then. That's not for today. But to understand, God, that your word is just as valid here in 2021 as it was 
back in, in AD 61 or, or 70, whenever uh, these different books are written, that it's valid. And we can trust the one who made us to bring us to the place where we can have that strong relationship. And I'm gonna ask everyone, stay in an attitude of prayer, and you know what, if you are here tonight, and, and God just brought you here, and, and uh, you know, maybe you're struggling with your, your marriage, and, and that's why you've been coming. And maybe tonight as you heard the word, you realize part of the struggle is you don't even have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never taken the first step of trusting him in your marriage and trusting him for your own life. So if I'm talking to you and you're in that place where you need salvation, then you know what, man, call on him. The Bible clearly states that, listen, that every single human being other than Jesus Christ is a sinner. We're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're born into sin, because we are sinners. And the wages of sin is death. And that death doesn't just mean physical, it means separation from God. That's what we earned when, when we sin. That's the bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came and took your place. He died on the cross for your sin. And again, it wasn't just the physical death, he was separated from God in an instant that took on everybody's eternal punishment forever in that moment. And now he holds out for you and he says, here, you can have eternal life. Your sins can be forgiven, just trust me. That's God's call to us. So listen, if I'm talking to you and you've not made that commitment, tonight is the night to do it, especially, especially for married people. If you haven't done that, you want your marriage to get strong, take this very beginner step in making it strong and call on the name of the Lord. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. And you can say this prayer out loud or you can say it silently, but it's gotta come from your heart. You need to be sincere with this prayer. And if you're backslidden, then come back to Jesus, man. Come, come home. If you're watching online, maybe you're, you're uh, at home or we even heard last week someone at a truck stop. So hey, if you're sitting at a truck stop watching this online, you, right there where you're at, you can say this prayer. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And right now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.